0: Log Talk
1: Radio Ray and Tay today. <clears throat> yes, what's radios on? Talking sports with friends and you know we got it on From the NFL to the NBA MLB and college to do it all day College football we know who's number one Understand on the phones you know we get it done So call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more uh, Talking sports, sports, uh. sports
2: Hello, hello and welcome to the show We hope you're enjoying your holidays You're listening to Ray and Tay Today, and
1: I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay Eric Taylor, and it is a manic Monday. Tons of sports to talk about. Let's get started. Give us a call, 718 664 9098. Like always, tweet at us at Ray and Tay Today, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Send us your emails. We've been trying to get them on the air for you towards the end of the year. Ray and Tate today at gmail.com check out the website Ray very interactive Ray we got a guest coming on Richard Rothschild a famous sports writer from Chicago Tribune for years and now he's with SI.com talk some college football and some other sports with him that'll be coming up shortly we got to start with a bunch of news and notes and the NFL of course but Matt Barnes gets suspended two games for, you know, going up to Derek Fisher over the ex-wife <laughs> yeah. and the girlfriend. That oh, That's kind boy. of a mess. Typical Matt Barnes, and actually he's been playing better with the Grizzlies than the Clippers. But, Ray, tell us who passed away. We had a couple of people pass away, but our man from the Globetrotters. Yeah, we had Metalark
2: Lemon. And if
1: you remember
2: growing up watching the Globetrotters, that was – Metal Lark Lemon—that was his thing. He created it. He was doing entertainment, basketball entertainment into his seventies. So this guy really put the entertainer and the basketball players. And what people don't realize is these Harlem Globetrotters are really good ball players. I mean, these are hounds oh, on the basketball court. These are legitimate ballers. And so you know, rest in peace. And also Dave Henderson. Remember that home run he hit? The Boston Red Sox in 86. They probably still have yes. won that World Series against the Mets. Even to get there, down 3-1 against the Angels, two outs, two on, bottom of the ninth, hit that home run, and the Mets go all the way to Game 7 of the World Series. He probably had his best years afterwards. He goes to three World Series with the Oakland A's. They only win in 89, that the earthquake year against the Giants. Uh, they lose in 88 to the Dodgers, they lose in 90 to the uh, Reds, but, you know, a, a really powerhouse team, that late 80s Oakland A's team. So, yeah, rest in peace, David Anderson and Lark Lemon.
1: And then we got a move. What you say? The Yankees got all this Chapman, right? Yes.
2: Yeah, Who was supposed to go to the Dodgers. Yeah, That's a so, great move, know... and finally
1: our Yankees have done something.
2: I guess, but what are they going to do with Miller and Betances? Is that 7, 8, 9?
1: Listen, it's whatever you want it to be because of the way the Royals have won. But enough of that stuff. We'll get into more hot stove next week. It's week 16 NFL. We've got the drama. Everybody's backing Peyton Manning with the HGH, uh, Al Jazeera, America, you know, the allegations. Supposedly it was also Ryan Howard, Zimmerman from baseball. You had Julius Peppers and James Harrison also. There might be, uh, you know, they have Ari Fleischer, who used to be with the, the Bush. There might be doing some PR, but there might be a lawsuit coming. I'll say this. We've had so many of these where there's smoke, there's fire, and we've had the denial, denial, denials, and then later on, whatever, and I just hope and pray with the legend, Peyton Manning, that, that we never see the other side of the coin. Um, you know, things get fishy when you see that he did – two great years after he came back from missing a year and neck surgery and then now he can't stay healthy at all but even with this report the one thing that I threw out on Twitter why would this come out now when he is trying to get back week 17 his team needs to win tonight if they do they're a the two seed if they lose they go down to the six seed or you know there's just so much so i don't know why do you think it comes out now Uh, Who knows? And comes out sloppily, and, uh, you know, everything.
2: I I just want to say let's let the data come out. Let's let all the facts come out, and let's deal with it then. I mean, it's probably going to take a while, so there's going to be a lot of he said, she said. So I'm just going to – And the NFL
1: is looking into it. I I just – yeah, but we gotta stand. NFL we talked to Shannon to Sharp on Twitter was like, I'm gonna give him a call myself. I was like, Right, Shannon. I invited Shannon Sharp on the show to join us. I don't think he's gonna make it, but you know, I mean I I, I just threw it out there and asked him and Twitter was very you know, everybody was Poe, you know, backing up Manning and then one person, uh, you know, when I asked the question, what do people think about Lisa Salter's interview? One person was brought up the negatives and I was like, Oof, okay you don't know, but anyway, enough of that about that on the field, the chiefs clinch the Vikings smack the giants, they clinch the cardinals are the two potentially the one seed they clinch uh the panthers finally the lose Kings. what oh, the Redskins win the division, they Saturday. don't even have to play next week. uh, oh, that was great, so tell me what was the ugh, my Steelers lose the jets win, but what was the what was the most impressive? either win or clinch for you on Sunday. And I, I know you, you want what, to give a those Cardinals, teams, those props.
2: And that's what it has <laughs> to be. It has to be the Cardinals because, you know what? Yeah. Don't tell anybody. The Cardinals might be the number one overall seed. If they win and the Carolina Panthers lose, then the Cardinals, after the Panthers get all the credit – and your boy Cam Newton is probably gonna win MVP. The Arizona Cardinals, even though they lose the honey badger, they might be the number one seed in the NFC. Might happen, might not, but you know what? To smack down Green Bay like that thirty eight to eight and it was never it a game. It wasn't was like they pulled away the nothing. half. they started <laughs> and they put and that is, you know what, you gotta take that tape and say that is how you put your foot on your opponent's throat and you just take the air out from jump. So that was the most impressive. And I got to give the Washington Redskins credit on Saturday night. Tons of credit. That was impressive. Dominated, you know, the game. Philly had its chances in the first half, but in the second half, it was all about the Redskins pulling away in the rain on the road. So give them credit. They can sit their players. And I'll say one more thing. Carolina. I don't want to be a hater, but they were not a sixteen and zero team. If you stack them up against the two thousand yeah, but they're going to be a fifteen and one team. They will, and they be. didn't if have Jonathan Stewart.
1: It, Ginn got sort banged of up. It's
2: mind-boggling, though. But but it's mind-boggling, though, that they don't stack up to those you know those teams, the, the, the eighty-five Bears and the the, um, the team from the forty nine team that went fifteen and one. They're just not that good. But All you know the more
1: what? reason why Cam is the MVP, though, and and, and and their defense gets like a co-MVP vote. They didn't play as good defensively this week. They left some points on the field. The Falcons, you know, it's a division game. Look, ask the Steelers, the Ravens, and we'll get to that in a minute. I mean, you know, but division games on the road, you know, things happen. I don't think they'll lose to Tampa, so they'll get the number one seed. But you're right, you know, they are not your typical 15 and one team, and that's why Cam has got to be the MVP because to me they have no they have no biz they, they they're, nine no they're nine and they're seven. They're
0: nine.
2: They're nine and seven. Nine and seven. He's Benefits done.
1: Maybe. He's been Elvis Gerbach and then some. It's been amazing. And this is the funny thing. Guess who guess who, you know, the hard knocks boys are on verge of winning the division? The Houston Texans, man. Good for them. The Colts are still alive, but you know, the Texans would have to lose to the Jaguars, Colts would have to be the Titans. Doesn't look like, you know, the Colts might win, but I don't think the Texans are gonna lose. And good for Brandon Ween, you know, good for him. Uh, has got 30 lives by the way. I think that's impressive. This guy gets hurt. He comes back, but Ray, the team that no one's really talking about, like the Cardinals have won nine in a row, the Kansas city chiefs, as you always say, without Jamal Charles nine in a row, but this is the thing. Marcus Peters, tied with Nelson from Cincinnati, eight interceptions in the league lead. He could Not only will he, will he be the defensive rookie of the year, this guy is up there for defensive year uh, uh, stats uh, because for of the, year. the whole league. Yeah, play defensive player of the year. He's incredible. And... With Derrick Johnson back, Eric Berry, when the Houston and Ali are back the following week, going into the playoffs, this team is on fire. And then you've got Kelsey, Smith, and Macklin just doing it. The Kansas City Chiefs are dangerous. And, oh, by the way, if Denver loses the next two weeks, they're the division champs, the Chiefs. So, yeah, it's not get, over he yet. Yeah, we
2: got to a lot of credit. Yeah, for sure.
1: For sure. He would be coach of the year if it wasn't for Rivera. And Bruce Arians would come in third. Those to me should be the top three vote getters. Those three guys. Yeah, I have Without no argument
2: doubt. with that. I have no argument with that. The most disappointing, the Giants laid an egg. I guess they weren't playing for anything. The minute that the no, Saturday
1: night matter. game
2: was over, they were, But they got embarrassed on national TV I know. like that.
1: That That's was just it terrible. was terrible. And your Steelers. But what talk about the Steelers? Well, I want to talk about the Steelers and the Seahawks. First, we'll talk about my Steelers, Ray. I I, I was crushed. Now we need Denver to lose twice and or the Jets to lose at Buffalo, Rex Ryan's Super Bowl. Well, Rex, can you win your Super Bowl? My Steelers have to beat the Browns. I think they'll do it, you know. But to me, you don't go to Baltimore and not step up for a rival. I don't care how bad they're playing. Ben was off. Some wide receiver drops. The defense hasn't been great all year, but they just were were clueless. And I think what happened was the Steelers got too – used to being able to throw it deep down the field, and then they forgot about their short passing game, and the the Ravens just said, basically, you have to beat us, dinking and dunking and running the ball, and we never woke up. Like, our offense just was off the whole game. It, it was ugly. And, you know, credit to credit to Harbor and the Ravens, but this is what happens in rivalry games. Ask the Rams what they did to the Seahawks. They swept well, exactly. them this year. I was about to
2: say, and, that's exactly what happened. NFC uh, West rivalry... Rams. In Seattle, crazy though, right? seattle That's the crazy part. <laughs> Seattle's lost a little bit too frequently this year at home. But the yeah. Rams, you know, they're just an enigma. Because middle of the season, we said, you know, they need to start over again, whether it's in L.A. or in St. Louis. Uh, Did that win say, say
1: Fisher's job?
2: <laughs> and And I was about to say, Fisher has nine lives. Because every time you think he's done – They end up finding a way to win. And if you look at it, Case Keenum threw for 103 yards. Uh, So it wasn't (laughs) Case Keenum. Todd Gurley did okay, had 85 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, Yeah. And he stays in the Offensive
1: Rookie of the Year, you know, voting him and Winston and Cooper. I think Winston will probably win that, though. but, But Gurley's had a good season.
2: He did. He had well. The problem is he hasn't played all season, but he had that right, right. what four or five game stretch right there in the middle of the season that really gave hope to St. Louis and might even keep them in St. Louis. I, I'm not sure, but you're right though. That's why these, these rivalry games and and you know we don't talk about betting much on the show, but
0: you leave
2: those rivalry games alone. So
1: yeah, the, the division Rams, games late in the year don't yeah, lay down so much. Let me let me ask the, you well, this though, right? Twice. Here's a fair question and a fair criticism. The Seahawks offensive line has struggled early in the season. It got good the last five, six weeks, but it got good against the Steelers, Cleveland, Niners, um, you know, teams that did not have good defenses. So they play against the Rams. Russell Wilson's running around for his life. He's got killed so many sacks. So, I Honestly, I, I, I have no faith in the Seahawks when they play against a good defensive team, and we'll see again how the Cardinals spanked them. They go to Arizona week 17. I don't think the Seahawks are going to beat them. Marshawn Lynch is back to practice. We'll see what happens. But, Ray, I mean, maybe they got fat off of bad teams.
2: I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. They're probably better. You know, you lose a Max Unger, and, and you definitely have to recoup some of those losses somehow, right? You try to get Jimmy Graham to kind of spread you know, spread the defense a little bit. Those three wide receivers are not bad, you know.
1: Oh, Baldwin's um, been great this year. Another yeah, touchdown. Baldwin, Lockett, yeah. and
2: Curse. But ultimately I think losing <clears throat> Jimmy Graham and Max Unger basically sets them back. And so these guys really have to rely on Russell Wilson and their defense. And at a certain point, look, they had one they had played almost five perfect games, so I think they were due for this. I don't read too much into it. They weren't going to catch, in my mind, they weren't going to catch the, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals anyway. anyway. Yeah. So, eh, you chalk this one up. The one thing that is disturbing, though, is they've lost multiple times at home. And yes, you know, those years that's... when they were going to the Super Bowl, you couldn't beat that
1: football
2: man up in Seattle. Yeah, they just didn't lose up there.
1: So the funniest thing I heard on Sunday. For the fourth safety of the season, is that an actual play call for the Miami Dolphins, Ray? They get safeties <laughs> like I like, you know, like nobody's business. Colts win an ugly game. I mean, but the Dolphins, I don't. I said it before, and I, I agreed with uh, your boy Bennett from Seattle ripping Tannehill. I don't believe in Tannehill, but he's their guy. What do the Dolphins do?
2: Well, and do happen- they keep
1: their coach? They got to go after Sean Payton. You got to get a I different. I think a lot contest. of people are going not after Sean
2: Payton. The Giants are going to go after Sean Payton. <laughs> Sean Payton's going to be a hot commodity, right? Oh so yes. I, I'm not sure Dan Campbell's the answer, but it starts with Tannehill. You really have to make a decision. Now they're paying yeah. him like he's their guy, but you really yeah, have to exactly. make a decision. I think Jarvis Landry was a fine. Lamar Miller, I'm not sure. The offensive line and defensive line has always been a question last. Four, O-line needs more running. help.
1: That should be their number 1 pick cuz all they have is Ponzi, another pro bowl, but the rest of the offensive line is weak.
2: And even the defensive line, I mean, they pay big money to get Sue and they bring some other free agents and, and they really underachieved. But uh, they I really think we have do. Our caller here. Let's let's get our caller on the air. All uh, right. Jeff. Hello?
3: Hello. Richard? Yes, this is Richard. How are you?
2: Hi there. Well, welcome to the show. You're on Ray and Tay today. Thank you for calling in. We're in the Good middle Good to be of here. Thank
3: you for the invitation. Our pleasure.
1: Definitely. Hi, Richard. How are you? This is Tay Eric Taylor, and welcome.
3: Good to be with I you. Jump, Thank you. Uh,
1: okay. Well, I want to jump right in with you and ask you. You know, you've had quite a career, and as a, a versatile basic you know co- whole career sports writer you've covered so many different sports which one is your favorite to write about
3: uh any it, it all goes just like reporters always root for a good game or a good story it's whatever provides a good story it could i've, I've had a lot of fun with basketball i've had fun with football and baseball uh even even the olympic games uh, I. uh uh, most recently was writing about Serena Williams in tennis, which gave me the chance to look over tennis history and how remarkable her career truly is when you consider her longevity. So it's it's um, oh, yeah. it all comes down to the best story, but uh, obviously this time of year it's most fun to discuss pro and college football, unless you get something really unusual like the Golden State Warriors are doing in the NBA, or, uh, or just a uh, passing of a... Uh, of an interesting name like Meadowlark Lemon, the great Harlem Globetrotter who just passed away within the last yeah, 20 we years. Yes. Those about are, that. uh, that's, uh, yeah, those are, that's, you he, know, he had quite a life.
1: Oh, Dave he did.
3: Too. He. two. Yeah, Dave two, Henderson uh, passed. Prominent yeah. sports. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, what's the interesting thing about Lemon, of course, people know the Globetrotters as talented and humorous, but in the early days of the NBA, Meadow, Lark Lemon and the Globetrotters were a wonderful draw, and when very few teams in the 50s and early 60s could draw big crowds, if you scheduled a doubleheader and the first game was the Globetrotters, often against the Washington Generals, it almost guaranteed a good crowd. In fact, many fans would leave after the first game, before the actual NBA game, <laughs> figured out we've, we've seen the best basketball for the day.
1: Oh yes, nice. I remember seeing them at the garden. Uh, Tal and I we used to go to Madison Square Garden as children, and I saw you know saw them so many times in 70s and 80s at, at MSG, and you know it's a total total classic. So I want to ask you this also as well. You know, we really enjoyed your piece on college football, talking about the rivalries and getting all in depth with the different decades. You know, mm-hmm. and for me, I think back of like Oklahoma against Nebraska and you know, even Miami-Florida or Notre Dame-USC, UCLA-USC, those different battles. What was your favorite rivalry? Uh, let me not forget Michigan-Ohio State. But what was your favorite rivalry, and, you know, what did you think that – what did you find in your research that was kind of the most explosive, intense rivalry?
3: Well, definitely the, the most intense, and it and I, it didn't even make the list, but it was definitely right. uh, Miami and Notre Dame. I guess that got downright yeah. nasty. In the oh, that's why well, we remember. <laughs> and it was yeah. uh, it was one of those situations where I think both schools kind of realized that eh, we, don't, we don't want to go in this direction, particularly Notre Dame always likes to have this proper image of the way college football is presented. But what Miami did for them, uh, besides having a very high-profile game, every other year when they weren't playing in Southern California, the Irish used to finish the season in Miami, and that gave them... Uh, an opening to the wonderful uh, recruits that have been uh, there for decades in the South Florida high schools. And uh, once that became uh, something Notre Dame was no longer comfortable, they flip-flopped Miami with Stanford. So now their season ends in either USC or Stanford, which gives them both Southern California and Northern California. I guess their feeling is now that we have a pseudo-ACC schedule, we, we, we can sort of get Florida anyway. But to answer your question about, you know, when I first started following college football, and this is, this is uh, I mean, it's really passe now, but the Army-Navy game used to be huge. That was, oh, yeah. uh In the years uh, after World War II when the service academies both had strong teams, uh, they both produced Heisman Trophy winners as recently as, uh, I shouldn't say recently, it's more than 50 years ago. But in 1963, Navy and Roger Staubach were the number two team in the country and uh the it was you it was the one game each year in college football that would always be on national television and growing up uh in the New York area with Philadelphia just down the uh pike for uh, where the game was played most years that that was huge and uh it's it's certainly not that way anymore but i'm yeah uh, i'm glad that when army navy plays uh there's no other uh competing games the uh it's just this is the afternoon is yours, and that's kind of fun to see.
2: Yeah, I'm glad they've kept Definitely. the tradition alive. Speaking of which, so in terms of individual games, so on the 31st we have Michigan State playing Alabama, and you told me this story off-air about 50 years ago. And, and tell our audience about how that that game looked a lot different and those schools looked a lot different 50 years ago.
3: Yeah, it was really too bad they couldn't play because with the old bowl set up and – Throw anyone into a very cold running body of water if they ever say how great the old bowl system was because it wasn't.
0: <laughs> used to get these
3: conference used to get these conference tie-ins which meant like if the number one team was from the Big Ten and the number two team was from the SEC they couldn't play because the Big Ten team would go to the Rose Bowl and the SEC team usually would go to the Sugar Bowl, and exactly. in that year. Uh, And a lot of times, bowl invitations were extended well before the season ended because bowls wanted to lock up a high-profile team, particularly an independent like Notre Dame or back then Penn State. But anyway, in 1965, Michigan State finished the regular season undefeated and ranked number one. Uh, A number of the polls and awards finished before the bowls, so Michigan State was the national champion as far as 65 was concerned. However, that year for the first time, the Associated Press, which is the media poll, said, let's do a poll after the bowls, because the year before it looked kind of silly when Alabama was voted the number one team and then lost the Orange Bowl to Texas. So it was one of those uh, oh. bowl, uh, Jan- when the January 1st used to be the bowl game, bowl right. day, Michigan State was upset by UCLA a team they had squashed earlier in the year 13 to 3 but Michigan State was very disinterested they were saying hey we've already got the national title number 2 Arkansas lost number 3 Nebraska lost and number 4 Alabama but Michigan State still had an overall better record than Alabama did but I guess the AP writers and media and TV and radio people said well Alabama did win its bowl game so Alabama ended up the AP winner whereas UP, uh, the media poll winner was Michigan State had already won the coaches poll. So you would have had this game had they been able to play each other between what was then an all-white Alabama team and a Michigan team mm-hmm. that was totally integrated, particularly with players from the South who were not allowed to play at the Southern schools. Bubba Smith would have loved to have played for the Texas Longhorns, but Texas was all-white football back then. Uh, the great uh, Roverback George Webster, number 90, came from North Carolina. Tar Heels, Duke, Wake Forest, they they weren't recruiting black players then. So Michigan State, had they played Alabama, might have been like college football's version of what happened a few months later in college basketball when Texas Weston yeah.
1: beat Kentucky. Texas Weston, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: So that uh, it and plus uh, Alabama liked to throw the ball. Michigan didn't mind passing, but they were more a grinded out team uh, with with a phenomenal defense. I mean, you it had four first round NFL draft choices. Bubba Smith and George Webster on uh, defense, wide receiver Gene Washington and running back Clinton Jones on offense. It was a wonderful wonderful team and again, kind of sadly, they went I'm trying I think it was 19-1 and 1 over 2 years and all they got were Pieces of the '65 and '66 national championships, but it's like Michigan State and Alabama are now playing the game that would have been so much fun to see 50 years ago.
2: That's wow! Wow. That's a great story. That's a great (laughs) tie-in. So, rolling the clock forward, we've got Michigan State, Alabama, and then we've got obviously uh, one and four, Clemson, Oklahoma. What do you think of this year's college playoff? And I agree with you 100%. It's so much better than it was. You know, quick quick commentary on whether you think it should go to eight games but given the current schedule what do you think about this year's final four
3: i'm i'm happy with it and here's what i thought my original thought for years oh eight games would be perfect 16 would be
1: ridiculous yes. but yeah, no, eight is you good. know what? <laughs> it's
3: been interesting i said uh you know let's give this a few years to see how it plays out and last year the only teams that might have had a beef about not being invited were either Baylor or TCU. Or
0: TCU, yeah, sure.
3: Yeah, and it turned out Baylor ended up losing to Michigan State in the Cotton Bowl, so that kind of squashed their (laughs) argument. And they had beaten TCU head-to-head. So if one of those two teams had been picked, it would have been Baylor. And again this year, yeah, you know, Ohio State had that one slip up against Michigan State, but their schedule wasn't that strong. Stanford looked terrific at the end of the year but still they had uh two defeats including a game I saw here up here in Evanston at the start of the season in Northwestern. So, yeah. uh you I think with the current format you can have a bad loss, you can't have two. So, I'd say for these two years that we've had it, it's worked pretty well. Now as we go on and you find situations where instead of one maybe two teams you think should have made it, if it's three, four or more you say, "Aha." Maybe we should uh, consider it, but I think the first two years it's it's worked pretty well. Yeah, and so
1: what do you think about right, this year's hasn't...
3: final four? Are, are yeah, who you, who are you uh, picking?
1: Who are
0: you
3: picking? Oh, who are you picking? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as as much as as a, as a Big Ten person with uh, family ties to Michigan and Northwestern and Wisconsin, I'd love to see what Michigan State uh, did, what Ohio State did last year at Alabama. I don't see it because last year. Ohio State had such an explosive offense. And you're going to have to score to beat Alabama. And unless yeah. Michigan State can force a bunch of turnovers, which is always you know, a way to short-circuit short the other team and cut down on their possessions, I don't know if they have the offense that Ohio State did. Because, that's of course, Cardale Jones last year was such a revelation how well he played in the playoffs. The other game, uh, it's funny that Oklahoma's favored. Uh, Clem- Clemson's been, if you don't want to say the best team, they've certainly been the most consistent team all year. They clobbered Oklahoma in the bowl game last year, 40-6, to in the yeah. always popular Russell Athletic Bowl, which we all grew up <laughs> with. And,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, we forgot uh, the name
3: of the bowl. Uh, sure. I, uh, I, uh, especially the games at the Orange Bowl, where the back in the Big Eight days, the uh, Seems like Oklahoma and Nebraska always used to play. That's a place they're not that familiar with. Clemson is, so I guess uh, I, as I mentioned, Clemson underdog. I don't see it, so I'll be uh, I'll be picking Clemson and uh, and Alabama. Uh, with uh, I'd say probably Oklahoma has a slightly better chance of winning that uh, unless Michigan State forces quite a few turnovers.
1: Okay. Do you think Deshaun Watson's a little underrated? I think There's, you know uh,
3: he's so uh, talented and uh, Yeah, yeah. You, know, you look at Clemson over the years; has had some decent quarterbacks. Steve Fuller, who came up uh, to play with the Bears for a few years, was uh, was a good college QB. But uh, the uh, and recently they've had some draft picks that haven't panned out so well. But it's a boy; they have a lot of good athletes. They're well coached. Yeah. They don't make many mistakes. And Watson is. Uh, he's he's a pretty capable guy you know you hear you you see the way he conducts himself uh he's he's sort of the uh the anti cam newton he's 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 much more low key he you don't see much celebration during the game. He'll he'll celebrate afterwards, but he's uh yeah. he's, he's a quiet spoken guy. He's uh but his his teammate seems to rally I guess if if you want to go more more recent, he's he's sort of the anti Jameis Winston too. Not as demonstrative <laughs> and seem seems to avoid the trouble off the field.
1: Yeah, yeah no definitely. Well, you, you led me right to where I wanted to go with the NFL and sure. as you know, we're heading into week seventeen. And you look at the playoff picture, I kind of wanted to get from you a favorite in the AFC and the NFC to potentially make the Super Bowl. Obviously the Patriots with their little mishap with uh, against the Jets, the Panthers loss, uh, maybe some sleepers or maybe you like the Cardinals or the Bengals if they get Dalton back. So tell us what your thoughts are of this year's NFL.
3: Well, in the NFC, I'd be surprised. Uh, you know, here here Here's sort of the, the swing game that can mess things up, I think. If the proverbial, if the playoffs ended, I mean, the uh, season ended today. Well, we know yeah. Seattle's going to be a wild card team, and if they win their game as either the five or 6th seed, they would play the probably play in the number one seed, which is Carolina Panthers, um, unless mm-hmm. Carolina somehow loses at home next next week to Tampa. Yeah, I doubt
1: that. But, <laughs> but
3: I doubt that. And here's the thing: Seattle goes into Carolina and they'll certainly be an underdog. But look at all the postseason experience they have. This is yeah. a team that maybe it's not quite as sharp as the last two teams that went to the Super Bowl, but they're very good at raising their game at the right time. Uh, it's uh, the, the coaching staff, the players, have all been there before. And that, that might be the most interesting games of playoff, with Seattle at Carolina. Now, if right. Carolina can get by that game, and I think it'll be a challenge, I think uh, it would make them sort of match tough the next week to play Arizona. No one's, no one's playing better football than Arizona now. But again, it's going right. to be in uh, Carolina's place. So you'd have to like their chances, even though you've probably noticed this in recent years. Home field isn't what it once was. I mean, the 70s no. and 80s, the home yeah. team almost always won the conference championship games. You're right. It, it's not that way anymore. So uh, it's certainly not a done deal. But the I think New England does have a huge advantage. If they're able to uh, beat Miami next week, which I know you were you were talking about the Dolphins just before I came on, uh, uh, probably not too com- yeah. <laughs> not too complimentary terms, but New England, it's going to be you know the uh, I think the uh, days of wine and roses in December are over. It's going to be cold there in January, possibly snowy, and Denver might be used to it, but if Brock Eisweiler or uh, less than fifty percent, uh, less than a hundred percent arch. Uh, Peyton Manning's playing. Um, that could be a problem. And Cincinnati again. This is a team that hasn't won a playoff game since the '80s. If they are able to win that first game, uh, who knows? I think had Pittsburgh not shot itself in the foot,
0: uh, that's they, my team. They could I'm devastated. the Patriots
3: <laughs> uh, some, pro- but you know who could could also is uh, they're very confident. The is the uh, New York Jets?
0: Yeah, so really They played them well. Uh, wild
3: card game on the road. And uh, you know that 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 could be interesting because they may uh, not be as explosive as you need to be in the
2: playoffs. Just
3: you know, I'm trying to figure the Jets. Can they come from
2: behind on right. the road in the playoffs? Not sure. And especially Fitzpatrick might revert back to the old Fitzpatrick, where he uh, you know a turnover you know in the in the waiting.
1: Mm -hmm. I think Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles is another one that could be a candidate for coach of the year. I think he's been underrated for the job he's done. And I feel like it's a different Jet team. This is not Rex Ryan's Jets team. This defensive line is legit. Chris Ivory's great running the ball. And Decker and Marshall, they're the new, you know, dynamic duo as receivers. They've been more than impressive. So the Jets are dangerous, you know. They 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 really are. It's
3: interesting because Rex Ryan, although always a fun personality and great for the media covering the team. This defensive mastermind, why is it that this uh. more low-key guy, Todd <laughs> Bellows, seems to have them playing better defense than was true exactly. for most of the uh, Ryan administration?
2: You got yeah, it. They were, they were up and true. down on defense, but yeah, Ryan's a whole other episode. <laughs> hey, Richard, let me ask you just about, let's transition to NBA. I feel sorry for the NBA at times because they fade in and out of the spotlight, right? You, you, they, yeah. they try to kick off and then Christmas Day comes and they're back in the spotlight, and then they have to wait till February for their all star game to get, you know, primetime billing. And then they fade away again to baseball until, you know, uh, May and June when they have their playoffs. But this NBA season, and particularly the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavs, which appear to be the two best teams in, in each of those conferences, each conference, are so different. And. Specifically the Golden State Warriors, you mentioned it a little bit in in your intro when you were talking about kind of fun things to cover. Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, I I look at them, and I still think that when you look at them historically, talent-wise, they're not the 80s Celtics or the 80s Lakers or the 60s Celtics, but yes, they're done. Or
1: the
3: 90s Bulls. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a very different different team that... uh, probably better than anyone has uh made uh superb use of the three point line. It's almost yeah. a layup for them. They they shoot it so well. Uh the parts are fairly interchangeable because they, they don't have a real big things. guy in the middle. They they move well and uh even as a Chicagoan they would have presented problems to the Bulls teams of uh, of the 90s. And uh you know, they're not squeaking out wins either. They're point differential if they maintain it over 13. Uh, it's more than 13 points oh, per gee. game. That That's would ridiculous. be an NBA yeah. record that not the oh, 72 yeah. Lakers or the uh, 96 Bulls did. So, they're you know, it's not like they're winning all these buzzer beaters. They want a few, but they are yeah. demolishing teams.
2: Right, and, and oh, often in the fourth quarter. Yeah
3: yeah and on the bench. I
2: was say, quietly <laughs> speaking san antonio is is doing almost as much in terms of point differential
3: right, against the right.
2: rest of the league and That's true. even though Golden State is running away with it, can you still see them having i still see them having let me let me ask if you still see that as well having a really difficult three rounds in the western conference
3: sure they could it's uh you know we've usually in the n b a the teams with the really good records at least get to the finals. But once in a while they fall down. Remember I think it was in the nineties. Remember Seattle? It was one of the years Jordan was out. I think it was ninety four. Seattle had like a sixty three win team. Just way oh, and they lost to Denver. the top record yeah. Yeah, and they right, lost yeah. well, in the first round. Nine.
2: That was the first eight one yeah. with the Kembe McCumbo. And
0: the Humbo uh, and Brian back, Stith. Yep. <laughs>
3: right. Sure. And going back kick, uh, yeah. And the record for the most wins by a team that didn't win a championship is the 73 Celtics. They went 68-14, and 14, but uh, Tommy and they- Heinsohn made a bad mistake then. he, uh, They ran and ran, and then they just ran some more, and he didn't substitute that much. So even though players like Dave Cowens and JoJo White were not that old, uh, Havlicek was getting up in years, John Nelson was, and they, they kind of hit a wall in the playoffs. They had to go six games to beat a so-so Atlanta team, and then they lost to the Knicks in seven. And of course, you know, Celtics fans say, "Oh, Havlicek was hurt." That was true, but you know, they they had been blowing teams out. But they uh, and Heinsen in the next year was much smarter. I think they they won far fewer games, maybe sixty at best. But he rested his players, and come the playoffs, they were ready, and they won the championship. So. But Steve Kerr, who I presume will be back uh, before too long, he knows the right. NBA wars. And I think if it got toward the end and he sees his team maybe um, showing a little wear and tear, he is smart enough that he's not going to pull a Tom Heinsohn. Because uh, at that point, the NBA record for wins was 69, um, set by the uh, the Lakers the year before in 1993. The Lakers, right, and I think yeah. Heinsohn really wanted that record and they fell one game short. Well, Lisa, those Lakers, Lakers went on to win the championship. The Celtics didn't. So it, it doesn't happen that often, but once in a while you will see a team in the NBA with a lot of wins, and they don't win the championship.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I've got a, a Chicago question for you, but while we're talking about this, and, and I really see you have you like the NBA and you have great knowledge, i got to ask you this. Just for our audience and younger listeners and even for us, for Tal and I, we did not have the privilege of seeing the great Oscar Robinson. Can you sort of paint us a little quick picture comparing when you look at Magic, Bird, Jordan, Oscar, and LeBron, how good? I mean, obviously we know the triple doubles and the stats. Right. You know, And he Chamberlain, as great as he was, as as his, he was he too. Was,
3: he was ahead of his time. That, that was – he was – yeah. You know, in an era when you had six, five guys playing forward and sometimes even center, he was a guard, and he was he wasn't he wasn't just taller; he was muscular. He was the right. strong guy who was smooth, and there really wasn't anything he couldn't do. He could shoot, he could pass, he was a good defender. He, uh, you know, in an era when you know you, you you really didn't get that much rest, he could play close to forty-eight minutes a game, and. Right. Uh, he, he was just, you know, he was going, he could post so many guards then who were only 6'2", 6'3", and if there did happen to be a bigger guard who was around his height of 6'5", he was just so much quicker than them. So he was a matchup nightmare for so many teams. It's uh, and here, Here's an interesting thing. He spent, of course, most of his career with the old, old Cincinnati Royals who really should have right. played there. I mean, they started in Rochester when they won their only NBA title. That had some good years in Cincinnati. Why they ended up in Kansas City, Omaha, and now Sacramento? It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, but
0: It was, that was interesting.
3: Bad. What they said. Bad. This was um, this was. Uh, That's why the Celtics did well because uh, throughout the '60s, our back uh, always had a fully integrated team. It was said that Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Royals, which, as you know, is right on the border with Kentucky, a southern state, and have always drawn a lot of fans from Kentucky for all their sports teams, it was said that the Royals did not want to alienate the customers by having too many black players. So wow. there was sort of an unspoken rule on quotas. And the Cincinnati Royals, although there always were a few other blocks, blacks besides the big O, there weren't that many. You would never see Cincinnati put uh, five black players on the court like the right. uh, Boston Celtics did, at least in the 60s. By the 70s, they became a whiter team again. But the uh, and, and some of uh, the Will Chamberlain Philadelphia 76er teams, unless Billy Cunningham was out on the court, they'd have five black guys too. Cincinnati, right. they didn't. They said that was, yeah, You had uh, you had the Big O, you had Wayne Embry. But it was, uh, you know, Jerry Lucas, of course, was a great player, as was uh, Jack Twyman in the Big O's younger years. But it's uh, that was always set against, them, and and players on the Celtics said uh, we, we knew we could always beat them because of the the you know sort of the unspoken agreement they had. And you know where here's you know completely changed direction. You know, an outstanding team also was supposedly had a quota on black players in the 50s and into the 60s. The New York That's Football one. Giants. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most noticeably, in uh, they, they finished uh, dead last in the 64th season and had the number one pick. And so there is Gale Sayers just waiting there. And they were terrible. I mean, Gale Sayers would have been so good. And if they wanted defense, they could have had Butkus. Instead, they drafted a – you know, he wasn't a bad player. Tucker Fredrickson from Auburn University – it was a good, solid guy, it was a big guy who could run pretty well, good pass receiver. I think he ended up getting hurt more than Sayers did. And it was just, that was their thinking at the time. They, uh, you know, they liked, you know, who, who represented the team? Well, yeah, they'd have an occasionally good black player like M. L Roosevelt Brown, but it was Frank Gifford. It was Y.A. Tittle. It was Andy Robles.
0: Right. It was
3: Sam Huff. So, um, it's interesting when you look at certain teams of that era. Now, of course, the Giants did much better than the Cincinnati Royals. But it was, oh, it was you know, you talk among the Giants and say, yeah, it was kind of understood they never have more than six or seven blacks on the team. And the Royals probably, even if they did have five or six blacks on the team, they never put more than two or three out on the court at the same time. Wow. wow. That's amazing. And you would think sports is one of those venues that it's all about winning. but It it you know, it, has, it has become that. It has become
2: it
0: has that. Become,
1: oh, I'm it's changed, to, uh, but yeah.
0: That
2: way. So yeah. Wait, well, so it's the
1: same thing with the Negro Leagues and the barnstorming. I mean, people can talk about Babe Ruth and some of the, the, the great baseball players, but a lot of them didn't really face black competition in, that's true. in, in terms of every you're day. And then when they did in the barnstorming... Buck Johnson and Satchel Page and the different guys yeah. were, were killing him. I mean, Jackie yeah, Robinson, everyone knows he was not even, you know, nearly the best uh, Negro yeah, League player. Yeah, the,
3: the, the, the line about Jackie Robinson was he uh, had his greatest success in his fourth best sport because he was certainly better <laughs> than football and in track and field where he was the Pac-8 champion in the long jump, but he was also a darn good basketball player too. Oh, yeah. That's Great, pretty athlete. amazing. Right, yeah.
2: Hey, this is great. We we have to do this again, but let Richard let let's get you out of here on this one. We didn't talk the, the major sport we didn't talk about was baseball sure. and well up until now and let's bring it to the modern day and the Chicago Cubs and Theo Epstein looks like he's on the verge again of turning around a franchise and ending another curse. Do you think it's going to happen and if uh, so,
3: here's the whole how thing with years? the Cubs. The problem with the Cubs, besides winning for, not winning for ages, is they haven't been good enough for long enough. The 69 team that got beat out by the Mets, they were okay in 70 and 71, but didn't come close. 84 team that lost to San Diego out of the playoffs yeah. for years. 89 the yeah. team lost to the Giants out of the playoffs for years. And most recently, the 2003 team that lost to the Marlins, you know, everyone thought especially when they signed Greg Maddox in 2004 oh we got it we're we're going to the series didn't quite work out that way and again they were out of the series I mean out of the playoffs for a number of years if they can get sort of a rhythm where they're going if not every year but say 3 out of 4 or 4 out of 5 something's going to click for them because the great the first dynasty in major league history was the cubs of the early 1900s between 1906 and 1910 they won four national league pennants and two world series. So, I think if they get the opportunity to keep going, that's that's what happened with the Red Sox. They barely lost out to the Yankees in 2003, they won it all in 2004 and then again in 2007.
0: And
2: because these once are you so start
3: young, once you start going on a regular basis, it's not oh the playoffs. This is so different. And the fact that last year's Cubs did have success even though they got swept by the Mets I mean, who at the start of the year, if you told a Cubs fan, hey, we're going to make the NLCS this year, you would have said, done, I'll take it. So I oh, think definitely. if the Cubs can get to that position where they're good for a number of years and not just one good year out of five or six, the chances of making it to the World Series are a lot better. I mean, look at Kansas City last year. Came close uh, 2014, right back this year. Yeah, that's the new Well, they have, the have a good shot. Model.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have a good shot, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy New Year and Happy let's, New Year let's to definitely you. do uh, this look, again. Look forward
3: to. Uh, hope I can come on again. This has been a lot of fun.
1: This has been great, and, and I
3: love the versatility. And, and
2: it's so fantastic to speak to somebody who not only you know I can hear in your voice not only do you cover the sports and not only do you do it as a profession, but you love it. I mean, you love the yeah. the content, the the competition, the intrigue, the subplots. And it's great. It's great to, to, to get you to talk about that and to share that with us and our
3: audience. And, and we thank you so much for that. Okay. Look forward to doing it again. And Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year. All right. Take, Take care. care,
1: Richard. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Wow, that was incredible. Richard Rothschild used to be with the Chicago Tribune for years. SI.com, great sports writer. You have to read his work at SI.com the rivalries. Uh, obviously, he talks about baseball, basketball, football, just just a sports aficionado, and that's what you love. You know what I mean? And, that's and that's what it's really all about.
2: We talked off air, and he told me something that was very interesting. He said, you know, one of the things that he really enjoys is now being able to cover
1: his own stories and to do yes. research.
2: And to well, do he said things about Serena. We it. have
1: to talk to him about that. Oh, man. Yeah, he
2: said... He said, "You know, when was the last time a woman, female athlete of the year, and in tennis and the dominance and and he was talking about. We talked off air a little bit about the dominance of her first versus her last Grand Slam. I think it was something like 14 years apart, which is in the world of sports, unheard is, of. Is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's no, she's a specimen. Too. Yeah. She and, is. And so she's just ability." to see those oh, I'm just saying his ability to see those uh you know subplots and sub angles to the sports world is is phenomenal and hugely entertaining.
1: I would definitely agree. So we gotta pick Monday night football, talk some Christmas hoops real quick. Show's about to end. I gotta tell you, I, I just for me as a Steeler fan, I need the Broncos to lose. I really do, or the Jets to lose to the Bills. But I'm gonna say this. The Broncos tonight will take care of the Bengals, even though Brock Osweiler's other shoulders hurt, and A.J. McCarron might, you know, week two playing, he might be a little bit more comfortable. But what you're going to see is a team rally around their quarterback who was attacked in the media. And he might come back and play next week. We'll see. But to me, you're going to see the love on that field for the legend Peyton Manning. And I think the Broncos win this game. Demarius Thomas admitted he'd been pushing because his mom got out of prison. He wanted to play well for her all season. Maybe he sort of, you know, takes a deep breath and calms down. The Broncos win a battle. I say it's 24-23, Monday Night Football, and then I'm a Buffalo Bill fan because the Broncos will do it. The player of the game, it's not – it's Von Miller. And he will have two sacks – and a fumble recovery, and he will be the fantasy stud of the game. Broncos win.
0: So
2: I agree that the Broncos win partially because they need this game more. They could be the two seed or the six seed, and the Bengals are in. So by virtue of the Steelers losing, the Bengals know they're going to win
0: that division.
2: They know they're going to be a two or three seed, and they're pretty – seems like they're pretty satisfied. They're probably gonna be the three seed, especially if they lose this game. I just think Broncos, like you said, are playing at home, playing for their guy, Peyton Manning, wanna see him come oh, yeah. back. Don't want to see him besmirched in the media. So I, I like yeah. them. I think it'll be pretty easy actually. I think they'll the Cincinnati Bengals have a hard time scoring. So I think they'll hold them to seventeen this Broncos D when it's on is is the one or the top one or two defenses defenses in the league. So I think they win 23-17, and my player of the game. You know what? I'll give it to Brock Osweiler. I'll say he throws Ooh. for yeah. I'll say he throws for two touchdowns, 280, and spreads the ball around.
1: So Christmas Day, to me, we said it was really about two games, and we both had the Thunder. The Bulls stepped up and won, and the Heat won a game in overtime. The Warriors took care of the Cavs. I, I'd like to see, like you said, that matchup when Kyrie's truly healthy. But I got to ask you about the surprise of, of, of it all, and that was the Rockets. And, you know, we've kind of been harsh on them, we've been knocking them. I thought that that was quietly a, a, a huge win for them. Obviously, the Spurs are still so dominant, 26 and 6, you know, but I, I wonder if you feel that that might sort of start to propel the Rockets to some sort of normalcy uh, in the Western conference, you know, they're still at the seven seed, you know, they're still swinging at 500, but do you think that kind of can get them from 16 and 16 to maybe go on a little bit of run, uh, a, a nice win like that?
2: I do. And I think that even though their roster is so talented, they just seem like they're mentally fragile. And, I don't know that JB Bickerstaff is the guy. He's thirty five, thirty six years old. I, I don't know who you need. Like a, you almost need like a Zen master, like a, a Phil Jackson, because this team. Or maybe Jeff Van Gundy comes back. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. Anybody who quits in the middle of the season, I have a problem with. But that's a whole other story. Me <laughs> uh, You need Me too. somebody that's more of a psychological guy, because you know, again, roster wise, they're fine with Beverly and our guy that they brought over from Carolina you know Luffin, by way of Denver right
1: Aretha Jones
2: and Arizona Harden Monte Jones my units to White Howard even if you get 60% of the White Howard from from the uh you know finals year when they lost to the Lakers in 09 so I I would love to be I would love to be the coach of the Rockets because you uh. walk on the court and you have talent and you know what immediately yeah you can you can talk about football where it's x's and o's and 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 coaching, and most important is football, but you, but in basketball, you need talent- in every sport you need talent right, but you need talent, and Houston's got talent, and don't forget that they were a minute away from uh, the proverbial minute <laughs> amazing they were in the finals last year yeah no, it's amazing. Either. So you know what? Yeah, this, this is a big win, and I think it's important to them for their confidence on national TV to take down the Spurs. And you know what? Even though I was pulling for the Spurs, and I, and I hope the Spurs do well, I want to see Timmy go out with a bang. The Rockets really dominated that. or not, I shouldn't say dominated that game, but the Rockets were never in doubt that that the Rockets were going to at least be in that game. And then by the time the fourth quarter came around, the, the they just, the Spurs couldn't do anything. The Rockets just had their number. They had every answer yeah. for every Spurs maneuver. So, yes, I think that win is, is big for the Rockets.
1: So, let me ask you this. We're going to talk real quick some college football games that are coming up tomorrow. And so, but I got to ask you this real quick do, you, do the Suns, they got rid of two coaches. But do you need to trade Marquise and Eric Bledsoe, who just got hurt, and do you need to fire Jeff Hornacek because the Suns are underachieving, losing to the Sixers the other night, unacceptable? And and there's and the West, the eighth seed is still to be gotten. Utah, Sacramento, Phoenix—they're all there. Does Phoenix need to shake it up a little?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure that they'll make a playoff run again. When you're, be- I've always had a problem with Eric Bledsoe. Nice young player, but when your best player is Eric Bledsoe, you're not going anywhere. So I have a problem with that. They need a better premier player. If Eric Russell's your third player, you're a very good team. If he's your second best player, he should be your Vinnie Johnson.
1: That's what I told somebody. He's not your starting one or two, he's your third guard. That's how I see
2: it. Yeah. So, uh, yes, they have to shake up that team, both, I think, from a coaching standpoint and a player personnel standpoint. Yeah, I, I agree with that.
1: Okay, real quick. This is sort of the the big game on Tuesday. North Carolina at Baylor, number 10 at 17. Two teams that were really close, maybe if not injuries and, and maybe some bad referee calls of maybe making the Final Four. Who do you like in, in this bowl game between North Carolina and Baylor?
2: Oof. You know what? I That's think a good game. I do, yep. I think it's. North Carolina team has been underrated all season, and they haven't been getting the love that they need to be getting. Baylor's been up and down because, you know, obviously with, with the injuries at quarterback, I think it's hard to bounce back from that, but they have, so I give them a ton of credit, but in Orlando, I got, so it's a truly a neutral field, I gotta think that my North Carolina Tar Heels um, yeah, baby. Share their business. So I, I think it's a – I think B- Baylor can still score. Baylor can still move the crowd. But I'm going with Carolina. In a pretty close game, I'll say fairly high scoring. I'll say uh, 30 to 27, Carolina.
1: I'm going to go 34-27, and I agree with you, Carolina. I just want to ask you this real quick. Okay, so Nebraska, big win for the Big Ten over the Pac-12. They take care of UCLA. Um, Navy takes care of Pitt, 44-28. Reynolds just does his thing again. You know, really, we felt he should have gotten more highs than love. But how happy – yeah, how happy were you for our boy Virginia Tech? Uh, Frank Beeman, going out, uh, yeah, going out with his big win, 55-52. His last game, a college football legend. What 20 was it? 28 or 29 years at one school, at Virginia Tech. Amazing.
2: It's a little unfortunate that he went out in a shootout because he his big thing was obviously defense and special teams, but you know what? The right. win is a win. <laughs> a lot of
1: guys he's put in NFL, Ray, so he he he's really done great down there. So yeah. I thought I was that like was Italia, uh
2: Frank Beamer, yeah. So he's he's been a he's been a legend and, and kudos to him. So many years of, of just quality, solid football. And you know what? He did it in Blacksburg. Virginia. It's not yeah. easy. To, to, to play in Virginia Tech, and then and then they were part of the Big East for a minute, and then they went back to the right. East. Right. Or not back, but they went back right, to the right. East. Right, right. So it's not like he was doing it at Texas and UCLA and USC and Notre Dame. Where oh, was yeah, The,
1: no.
0: the
2: franchise. He made them, them a football
1: school. Remember that. They we were, did. like, you know, that wasn't uh, – they were not the destiny. And that I think was that Curling was definitely not a destiny. playing
2: for the, uh, playing for the yeah, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech.
0: Hokies <laughs> in basketball.
2: So
1: – I got to ask you this. Obviously, you know, we tell people all the time, check out this amazing uh, newsletter, sports newsletter, Tink Sports. Go to tinksports.com. And, you know, definitely head of the curve a couple weeks ago with the Fight the Power theme with sort of using public enemy titles and songs to describe the sports week and the sports weekend. And on Sunday, it was more evident than ever, with, I mean, on, on Christmas Day, with the new Le, uh, LeBron James commercial with Samsung, with Welcome to the Terra Dome, everybody mouthing it and LeBron, you know, starting it off and Chuck D. How awesome was that spot? I thought they could have made it a little bit tighter, but overall, it was just a feel good. And you're like, Chuck D and Public Enemy, they're always relevant. That was great.
2: Well, and you got to give LeBron credit because I got to think, as hands on as he is, he oh yeah, he chose it. Yeah, and his team helped choose that. And and for him, remember, LeBron James was probably born in. Let's do the quick math here. When was LeBron James born? Probably I think he's in, 30. in the late in the late eighties. Yeah. Let's say he's yeah. thirty. If he was thirty, right, then he was born as that album was coming out, or or he was a few years old. So he was yeah, yeah, like two or three. To that album, yeah, exactly. So if LeBron <laughs> was born, in, you know, in eighty-five. That album came out, what, 87? So, you know, credit to him for for recognizing and being a student not only of basketball but of music and of hip-hop and to let his team choose that song and then to have everybody lip-sync it. So I thought that was awesome. Minute and a half. clip. check it out on YouTube.
1: It's uh, really fun and entertaining. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But I thought, you know, even the lyrics, the parts that he used, I got so much trouble on my mind, refuse to lose, you know, and that's you know, and that's what's going on because let's let's not you know, let's not mince words or anything. LeBron needs to bring a chip to Cleveland. He feels that pressure. He wants to do it for the legitimacy of winning without Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade, for his legacy, for Cleveland, for Akron. This means a lot to him and to not have his guys with him healthy last year you saw how he went out in the finals he was a warrior and he tried to beat the warriors by himself and could not do it this year if they're healthy and you notice they got to focus more on Kevin Love and i think if they do that the the title is for them definitely and, and for i them.
2: think they have to use that front court advantage that they have because when they have Varzaglio love and thompson they actually yeah. have a frontcourt advantage over most teams because most of these NBA teams play small, play fast and loose like the Warriors. But you know what? They need to kill them on the boards and they need to go backwards and score in the paint and get those big men involved and punish. You're right. You know, the Golden Curry was big from- in the
1: game, no Ray. Those, I mean, no, he, you he know, was. he got injured and came back, but those two shots at the end. And I made a comment to you. I sent you a text, but as much as I love LeBron. I've never seen a superstar sort of get his shot either blocked or, or or just, like, fall off as much as him. You know, it didn't happen to Jordan like that. LeBron sometimes goes to the hoop, and I don't know if it's reckless or he's trying to draw the foul, and then his shot doesn't get off. It's, it's sort of – it just happens a lot. It's, it's very the bizarre one say, The one thing I will
2: say, the one thing I will say, with this Golden State Warrior team, is except for Steph Curry, and I think I texted you this back, they have five guys on the court that can guard, or four guys on the court that can guard LeBron James, at least for one possession, right? So,
1: yep. that's hard Green, LeBron, Iguodala, you know, Thompson, yeah.
2: Green, Iguodala, Thompson, and, and Sean Livingston, you know, they can all yeah. guard him for a possession, or and Harrison Barnes if he gets healthy, so this is a bad matchup for them, but they have to figure out a way. They really do, and, and, and they'll have a couple months, you know, to do it, but but you gotta you can't have a six seven Draymond Green playing center and you can't punish you can't, and don't you punish, can't punish him right That's a
1: out. you got to That's a great show. Oh yeah, you definitely got to. But you know, that uh, great talking to Richard Rothschild. We'll definitely have him on again for our fans. You know, he he just broke down a little bit of everything. It might be fun to have him at the start of the baseball season, the end of the NBA season. That's a, a perfect time to sort of ju- you know juxtapose those two sports at, at their uh, different heights. We'll be back Wednesday night. We will predict all of week 17, set you up for our playoff sit- seedings, what we think is going to happen, college football, the big four games, the big six, the New Year's Day, and then the college football playoff. Our picks are coming, and tonight – will decide the fantasy football champion. So we wish everybody luck out there. Ray, are, are you you got a shot to win and uh, no, I'm Ray No, I lost I, lost. You're I done? lost all
2: of our players are gone on both sides. So he won fair and square. I fact uh, degrees because I was worried about the planter fash. I thought maybe in the first quarter he could turn a game and
1: Drew puts up a huge game. And he game. had a huge game. Oh, all right. The saving
2: saving graces, it wouldn't have mattered, because I, I yeah. would, even if I put in Drew Brees, he just pulled away. He had okay. all those late-game guys. So I'm done. Man. Okay. I'm second place. All right. Well, i
1: I got to congratulate my, my son, Elijah. He won his first fantasy football championship in my father and son league. So – Congrats, son! I'm proud of you. He fi- he's like, Dad, I got to get it. And he finally won. So Julio Jones helped him bring it to victory. <laughs> there you he, he started breeze. He started breeze. Right. See, you should have you should have asked his father too, because he asked his father, "Should I go with breeze?" And I said, "Yeah, breeze hurts is okay."
0: Yeah. Doctor, <laughs> That's right, baby.
1: <laughs> so anyway, enjoy enjoy the game tonight. Broncos Bengals should be fun, and we'll talk to you Wednesday night. Our last show of 2015 thanks for listening. Have a great
2: sports week. We'll talk to you Wednesday
0: Wow.